Welcome to this week's C10 Conversation. I'm Matt Folks. Thank you so much for listening. It hit me this week just how humbling it is to know that you are taking 20 to 30, sometimes up to 45 minutes a week to listen to these conversations. And we are just incredibly grateful for that. Thank you for doing that. If, if you haven't subscribed, please click the button so you never miss an episode. And please feel free to leave a review or give us, you know, four or five stars on your favorite podcast platform. That'll help spread the word about these weekly chats. Max Utsor, the chair of our C10 Curriculum Committee and occasional guest co-host is with us. And he's with us because of this week's guest. It's somebody that he has known for decades, somebody that I had the opportunity, the pleasure of meeting about a year ago. But you know, our goal with this podcast each week is to bring you guests who have great stories and have been successful leaders or mentors in various fields. Although we've had some well-known guests, there are so many outstanding leaders out there who have stories and principles that that you and I can apply to our everyday lives, regardless of what we do and regardless of what they have done. And that's the case this week. We're joined, as I mentioned, by somebody that, that Max has known for decades. And I, I had never really heard of him at all until meeting him about a year ago. He actually joined us this week for our C10 Mentoring and Leadership Session. He spoke to our students for a few minutes, and we're honored to chat with him today. He was the women's golf coach at Dodge City Community College for 20 years. He's in the school's Hall of Fame. He actually helped start that program at Dodge City and just had incredible success. The success that most of society uses to determine the success of college coaches. But he also had success in the number of student athletes that he helped mentor and still mentors today. Some of them actually came to Dodge City Community College from various parts of the world. And he helped get them to the states, and some of them are very successful here in the Kansas City area today. So with that, it's my honor to introduce you to Ed Bethea. Ed, it was great to see you this week at our C10 session. Thank you for joining us for that, as well as this conversation. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed last night. Last night was good. It was very nice. And, and we're going we're gonna to come back to that, because Ed spoke to our C10 students, and, and uh, it, was, it was interesting hearing him talk, and we'll, we'll circle back to that here in just a few minutes. But Ed, we like to start these with what we call our pregame batting practice. Just a few quick questions to get to know you a little bit better. Here we go. Question number one. My mentor growing up was? Uh, John Jankowski Jr. He was my baseball co- high school baseball coach. A lot of things I do today, my coaching, uh, it has to do with him. I got from him. Okay. He's, he kept me in school. Um, he was patient with me, but he was also strict too. But he, you know, if I had a problem, I could always go to him. So, Question number two, my favorite baseball player of all time is? Dick Allen. Okay. Dick Allen. Question number three, if not for teaching and coaching golf, I would have been a? Musician. Actor. You could sing. You actually sang a song at, at this birthday party, but uh, I think, you, what instruments do you play? I think the trumpet, maybe? No, I'm oh. working, I'm learning piano and, and uh, guitar and bass guitar. Yeah. All three right now? Trying to, yeah. Okay. Not very successfully, but, but you know. Okay, question number four. The one person in history I'd like to spend the day with is? To Harry Truman. Harry Truman. Very I'm good. a Truman fan, yeah. So in, in your travels to Kansas City, has Max taken you up to uh, Independence? No, not yet. That's that's on the list. Okay. That, that that's on the list. Yeah, I wanted to go there. Yeah. Right. Independence and Eisenhower's place too, though. Well, Abilene. Abilene. Yeah, yeah. That's the other place. Yeah. 
Okay, Ed, let's get started with the uh, more formal part that I didn't allow you to prepare for. <laughs> uh, uh, think back, what, what was the 17-year-old Ed Bethea like? Indecisive. All I wanted to do was play baseball. All I ever wanted to do was play baseball. 17-year-old, sang in some doo-wop groups. Two of them sang with Harold Melvin and Blue Notes, who were my t- high school teammates. Didn't Just wanted to play baseball. That's all I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything else. That's a 17-year-old, that's all I wanted to do. Not, not interested in school at all. No, no, and that's where that's where Coach Jan Coach Jan came in. But you did decide then to pursue, uh, obviously because of baseball, but pursue a college degree. Talk about that first adventure because you strayed a bit away from from dear old Washington D.C. Yeah, I had got a uh, Jan got me. I was supposed to uh, seventy one. So my last year in high school, I had. Uh, three scouts talked to me, one from the Orioles. Uh, uh, I met in Cleveland Indians and went to see I met Alvin Dart because one of my uh, high school high school guys played for uh, for our high school, played for Alvin Dart. Uh, so I met him in Cleveland and I and and I the guy scout from the Expo said he came out and watched me play. And he said, we're going to put you on the list, uh, draft list. So and so and that year and also I uh, turned down playing the high school all star game because I played football there in high school. Turned down. I didn't play that because I didn't want to get hurt. So I had a scholarship to Arizona Western Junior College in Yuma, Arizona. Did you even know where Yuma was? No. And my mother would say there's nothing out there but cornfields. And she didn't realize there's nothing cornfields out there. There's nothing to it but desert and orange groves <laughs> and snakes. And um, and you got to watch, watch, dump your shoes out. Otherwise, you have scorpions in your shoes at night. Played uh, winter ball out there. With, just, just You know, the college got me, told me to play this winter ball team. I played out there. I had a good year. What about the culture shock of living out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a culture shock. Now, you remember, I'm a city kid. I'm a city kid coming from the, the big city where there has got hustle and bustle. And then you go to a place where there's nothing out there, wide open spaces and uh, <laughs> a lot of racism. So, you know, uh, but it's and how hot that place was. Yeah, that was a big culture shock. I didn't last long. So I, I ended up coming home about a couple months later. I had issues at home, too. So I just got married at, at, at 19 as well. So that didn't work out. But that's, you know, we won't go there. Had you faced much racism before going out there? Yes. Oh, yeah. Washington, D.C. was basically segregated. Parts of it. Yeah, people won't believe that, but yeah, parts of it was segregated. From where we were, southeast Washington, towards it, if you go downtown and they pass the Capitol, it was pretty much, you know, my oldest brother told me a story that he went with my mother to uh, the shop down at one of the uh, department stores. They wouldn't let him use the bathroom. He had to go outside and, 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 you know, urinate outside. So, yeah, I didn't realize that. But I know you couldn't go up 16th Street towards the zoo and all of a sudden you couldn't go up there. You know, what uh, time frame are we talking? The 60s, 60s, 50s. uh, I was born in 52. This is uh, this is from my time. I understood from my recollection, awareness of it is from 55 on. It's slowly changed, but it's still the same. But it's very subtle. Things are subtle now. And I like that they were, um, you, know, you know, we're at forward. They were under forward, you know. My parents were from the South, and my mother's from Southern Maryland, which was uh, just as bad as going to the South. My dad was born in South Carolina. 
And that's, you know, you don't accept clowners in slave states. So that all that, and so was Southern Maryland was slave states. So we had a history of that. My grandfather was, was grandfather's father was a slave, uh, was a runaway slave. My, my father's people were slaves. So, and, you know, and I, I do remember, I grew up in a time of white, white and colored waterfowl. How did all that shape you and shape who you became, even as you went on to coach at Dodge City for 20 years? My parents taught me to, you know, to appreciate everyone and you treat everybody the same. If someone treats you differently than that, you know, you don't retaliate. You just leave that person alone. And you just and we're pretty much taught to stay where we are, you know, and just, you you know, you just do what you need to do. Don't worry about anybody else. And, you know, my mother did work. Uh, it's interesting about my 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 mother. And I'll get to my dad. My dad's really interesting. And she had this story about my dad. My mother worked uh, worked at a laundry for 20 years. For almost 25 years, as long as I know she worked at this laundry, Bergman, Bergman's Laundry. My dad worked for the Department of Justice, and he was a driver for all the attorney generals that came in there. And he also drove for Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He never talked about it because those days you don't talk. But the only time he ever talked about his job is when Ethel Kennedy got him a completing ticket, and he never got over that. And just that. And my dad was not a huggy, huggy, touchy-feely guy, and ever he'd take Attorney General Kennedy out to his home out in Hickory Hill, the kids would all jump on him. And, and I could see my dad cringe. I just, I, oh, because he didn't let that do it. He, he wasn't a huggy, touchy feeling guy. And I could imagine him kids climbing all over and he's just going nuts. So, you know, <laughs> I've learned to appreciate everyone. And I've been, I, I never I went to an all, all black high school, all black junior high school. But I, I went to Catholic school, um, but I didn't last long because during those days, I went 55 was the first year I went to. I was in kindergarten, and uh, this kid called me uh, the N-word. And this is now, you know, Catholic, this is all white. And uh, I popped that kid. You know, I was what you call the bird, excommunicated out of that school. So they kicked me out until I went to college and never had any contact with any, you know, white persons. But that's to let them never bother me. So I have good friends and, you know, live and let live. When you yeah, went, went back to school, what, what did you think you were headed to doing then at that point? Didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I know I know I wanted to go to college and get an education and so and, and see what happens there. So there's not a single thing you've said yet that would help explain how you ended up becoming the golf coach at Dodge City, the women's golf coach at Dodge City Community College. I got my two year degree at, at Prince George's Community College. Forgot to mention that last night, too, Max. I have a, a, a associate's degree from Prince George's Community College. Uh, got that. And and. And I got a, and I said, I'm going to try to play golf. So I got a job. At, I came here to Lawrence. I got a job at Albemarle. And uh, Jerry Wilhite gave me a job uh, pushing carts, you know, getting put in carts. And he says, Ed, let me put you in a program, the PGA program. So he put me in the PGA program. So I became an assistant uh, starting a, a, as, a, as a PGA pro. So I said, you know, let me go try. To, I'm going to try to play the mini tour. So in 1982, I went and tried to play the mini tour. In, and I left Albemarle and I went to Texas, moved to Texas. It's another relationship. And I worked for Northern Telecom. And Northern Telecom gave me some money to play. And I went out and played the mini tour uh, for about a year. And I didn't work out. I realized. It, that you know it takes it, you just can't walk out there and play so i went out there and played and then uh came back and i got a job i got a job at dallas texas and back in texas got a job at at lb lb houston golf course as an assistant then i met a woman and and she was from dodge city 
So I, I left there and, and married her. We moved to Dodge. She got me a job as an assistant basketball coach at the high school and in school suspension. And I helped the, the golf coach there to help him coach his team because they knew I, I, the, my background. So the job at Cimarron Golf Course opened up. The head, the guy we played golf with every weekend at the golf course, he knew uh, that, you know, I, wanted, I was interested in getting a coaching job. So he gave me a head coaching job at Cimarron Golf Course. I got there and I put three, I got three of my players went to, went to the uh, uh, national tournament. So they qualified for state. Three of my, three of my players qualified, qualified for state. I had a boys group. I had girls and boys. And, you know, it's about 20 kids that I had. And I loved those kids and loved that experience. There for two years. So, I, you know, the guy who came in wanted to put his own guy in. So I was fired from that job. So I got a job at, uh, went back to the high school. Then I got a job at Dodge City Community College. And my good friend, Casey Malik, uh, knew that I played golf because I played golf with him a lot. And he says, you know, Ed, uh, let me go see if we can start a women's, a women's golf program. So he went to the board and he went to, and, and the board said, sure, let's start it. So we started a women's golf program there. 1999 was the first year. And I had started recruiting that first year. 1999, we started until I uh, was done in, in uh, 2017. So he got me started. We built that golf course. We built that golf program from from the ground up. Uh, I had after the second year, I had immediate success. I, had, I took all my players, all my teams went to the national tournament every year. Hey, this is Matt Folks. I hope you're enjoying this week's conversation. We're going to take a quick break as we introduce you to one of the students in the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Program. Hi, I'm Kayana. I'm a senior at Van Horn High School. This is my second year in the program. And my favorite thing about C10 is meeting all the new mentors and all the new students and getting to know different stories and learning things from all of them. Thank you so much for helping to make that possible. That's this week's C10 Student Spotlight. Now back to the podcast. You had several international players throughout the years. Uh, When did that start? My second year, I got a kid from England. Narelle Ives and Leilani Undo from South Africa. The hardest thing was promoting kids to come out to Dodge because Dodge is, is, is like Siberia. They can't visit because it's too far away. Uh, the only one I had ever far away to come visit was this kid from Hawaii that, come to, that came to visit the college. And, um, but they looked, at the, you know, they looked at it and they knew we had scholarships. We all could give was books and tuition. That's all we could give was books, tuition, not fees and not housing. So they had to pay for their housing. Um, so, and this is for everybody, and including internationals. In that time, the internationals had to put up $8,000, hmm. uh, you know, as a retainer. And the reason for that is that uh, our track coach, he had those five guys that come in. He's the only one who won a national title, you know, in my tenure. But he came in and he had those five guys from Africa. And they couldn't get home. They didn't have the money to get home. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we, they had to raise money to get those kids to go home. So ever since then, you had to put in an $8,000 uh, retainer just in case those kids need to go home or they ran out of money. They had the money there. That's where it all started. 1999, Casey Malik started with the women's golf program. And, and up until that time, I've had a successful program. I was the only African-American uh, golf coach in the whole country uh, coaching women's golf. I guess I was the only one, period, because I go to the national tournament every year. I'm the only one. 
And, you know, first year was difficult, was not difficult, was just strange because they'd look at you, you know, and said, oh, you got a basketball team here? Said, no, 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 it's a golf team. Well, a couple of things that you that you talked about. I mean, this this podcast is about mainly about mentoring and, and leadership. So let's let's start with the mentoring piece, because you mentioned Casey a couple of times. Would you consider Casey a mentor for you? Yes. To me, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would consider him a mentor, but I'm not going to tell him that. So <laughs> we, we've had our days. We've had our days and we had our arguments, but, you know, we both we had each other's back and mm-hmm. he knew what I was doing was right. And and he coached men, too, at the time. And he had to understand that guys and, and girls are different and you got to treat them as such. You know, he'll take his group to a tournament and he, he'll put them all in the van, clogged up, you know, bunched up. Me, I took a van and I had each seats for the girls. And he'd go nuts because I took a van. How did you control all those different personalities? Because they were kids. Once you realize they were kids, they were 18, 17, 18 year old kids leaving home for the first time. I, it took me a while because, you know, I, I, you can't go in and, and you know, and, and talk, talk to girls like you've been Lombardi. But they're girls. You got to treat them differently. And as far as leadership is concerned, yeah, I love those girls. I protected them. And I told them I'm there. I will help you. I got them classes. I did their class schedules. I made sure they went to class every day. I made sure we had we had uh, sheets that they had to sign to make sure they went to class every day. If they needed problems, I was there for them. I helped them out as much as I could. I, I was I felt I was a good leader for them. Yeah. One player that you recruited from I don't know if it was South Africa or South yes. America. You know, she she didn't really speak English. She was having some grade issues, perhaps, and the, no, the administration at the school didn't want you to. That was Lena. Lena yes. was from, from Colombia. Yes. Okay. Lena was from Colombia. Yeah, that's Lena. Um, but Lena, you had, I mean, uh, as we talk about leadership and and sticking up for your people and those types of things, you had to do that with the administration to get her here, didn't you? Yes. And that was a headache. Um, Lena spoke good, not good enough English. And, and it's like broken English, but she understood English. Very bright kid. Uh, we tried to get her in. I wanted to bring her in. And the the, the assistant, uh, the director of uh, admissions didn't want to bring in because she had uh, a problem speaking English. We're bringing in as a kid who wants to go to college and wants to attend Dossier Community College. And uh, so Casey and I, we, you know, went we went to the president and we told the president about this and the president bring this kid. In. So we got the kid in. And uh, they end up firing the uh, the, the uh, director of admission. So she's at another place now. But Lena tended to be a Phi Beta Kappa student. Graduated on high top honors from Dodson Community College. Went to Park University. Graduated high honors at Park University. Uh, she has her master's uh, from Park University. Uh, she's working for a company here in town. I had dinner with her last night. I haven't seen Lena in five years. Sweetest, the sweetest, loveliest girl you can ever manage. And and so level-headed. I mean, she would calm me down to keep this kid from coming in because they had a little deficiency. My job is when I bring those kids in, I'm responsible for them 24-7. And it's my job to make sure that their 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 well being is okay, and they're being taken care of and not taken advantage of. Because I will, I do protect my players, and I've I've had instances where I had a uh, professor hit on one of my kids, 
And, uh, and I had to get him straight and he ended up getting fired because he was, you know, he hit on all the young girls up there, but yes, I am a leader and I'm also a parent. I, I feel like I'm their parent. I'm the child. I tell a parent every time they come in and, and they come in and, and they re- when I bring recruit in with the parents, I tell them, I will take care of your child. Just like they're my own. My big thing is you got parents that, that live through their kids. And and that's you can see that and you can look at their eyes when that kid walk on campus. You know, that kid does not want to be here. You know it. You can see it. And Max, I'm sure to you, recruiting, you can see that. Yeah, I think I want to go to Missouri instead of going to, you know, go to K something like well, K-State, go down the road to K-State. And that you can see that. And, and Max gave me I mean, not Max, Casey gave me a great, great line. Something I always to remember. He says, Ed, if the parent calls you about a player, that player doesn't want to come here. So that player doesn't want to come. If the parents call him about that kid, that kid doesn't want to come here. So if the kid calls you, she wants to come. He or she wants to come. But the parent comes, calls, they want the kid dumped. No, that doesn't. And it, he was right. Every time he was right. You can see it. You got that look in their face, that glazed look. And I'm saying, I said, uh-oh, she don't want to come here. And I will, after the parents leave, and I will talk to the child and her face up. You don't want to come here, do you? It's okay. You can be honest. No, coach, not really. I said, I'm good. You know, that's no problem. So, you know, I'll recommend you someplace else. And I do that. I always send kids all the places, all the coaches, you know, hey, you need to look at her. You obviously loved what you did. You love the, the student athletes. But with this change in parents and parents living vicariously through their kids, how much did that change uh, just your uh, approach to the job or how much you enjoyed the job? It was the best time of my life. I enjoyed what I did, but also got burnt out. When you start dealing with the parents and then you get tired of that, you don't have the two parent household is gone and most of your kids are on their own. So you've got to have somebody to represent. And these kids don't trust you. They don't trust you. And you bring them in, you know, you got to be upfront with them and, you know, tell them the truth. If you lie to them, they'll know. If you bring a kid in, it's your responsibility to take care of that kid. I admire what you guys do. Last night, I'm sitting there watching what you guys do, and it's and I'm looking at the turnout. I'm sure there's more that didn't didn't come in last night, but you guys do a great job. And and I wish I was closer. I'd be be happy to help you with guys. But I really admire what you guys do, and you're doing the right thing. And these kids trust you, and I see that. I'm watching that. They all trust you, and to be perfectly honest, a lot of black kids don't trust white folks, and they they're really you know they. They really hold back. They, did, they didn't talk last night, and I know why. You know, and, and so I just, listen, they're trusting you. They're listening to you. So you better be consistent. You have to be consistent all the time. If you're off a little bit, they'll, they'll chew you up. You'll lose them. You'll lose them. So that's, be honest with them. Tell them straight up forward, you know, do you want to do this the rest of your life, or you want to do that? Or do a trade. Do something. You don't have to go to college. Do a trade. Learn, you know, skills. You know, but now 21st century is coming in and 21st century is going to show up. You're going to have other skills, you know, something in robotics, you know, do something like that. That's something to do differently. You know, my dad didn't want me to go to college. My dad wanted me to follow him and, and, and be a driver like he did. And, and I, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't want to be a bailiff at a, at a courthouse. I didn't want to work in the government. This is what I wanted. I wanted to go to college and get a degree and decide. And I, I didn't know I wanted to do journalism. Did I want to do recreation? Did I want to coach? And coaching just fell in my lap. And I just try to give my experience with them. Yeah. One of the things I like to ask people about 
after we start with, you know, what was the 17-year-old Ed like? Now, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give to 17-year-old Ed? Still do what you love. Follow your dream. And don't worry about rejection because you're going to get rejected. No matter what you do, you'll be rejected. You're returned down. So that's, well, Max, yet I'd be more diligent with my, my, my sport. I'd work harder at it. If I said, I'd just work harder at it. You know, and I take it for granted, my skills for granted, and just I'd work harder and harder at it. So, yeah, I tell my son to this day, you need to work at it. Don't take it for granted. Because you got little skills, there's always someone better than you. Always. Well, Ed, thank you so much for doing this. And, and uh, we've loved hearing the stories. And, and again, you know, whether somebody is one of our C10 students listening to this or someone who's retired or somebody in between, they can all glean something from this interview. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for talking to our students last night. And Max, thanks for joining us as well here this week. Thank you. And just tell them learn patience. Well, that does it for this episode of the C10 Mentoring and Leadership Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we hope that you'll leave a favorable review on your favorite podcast platform. If you didn't enjoy it or you have other comments or suggestions for potential guests, you can click on the comment link in the show's notes. We drop a new episode at the end of every week, but be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an interview. And if you or your company would like to help underwrite this podcast, let me know. Until next time, this is Matt Folks for the CU and the Major Leagues Foundation saying be safe and take care.